Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Howdy and what's up? My name is Natty. His name is Brandon. This is the Long Two Fake Teams Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Brandon, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? I'm 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 all right, man. I probably put on a pound or two, but uh, you know, it was a good holiday. Got to spend some time with my wife's family and uh, my fam. You know, they are my family now. Um, but <laughs> good time. How was your holiday? Uh, I caught the Rona, so I didn't have one. I just stayed oh, here shit. in Brooklyn. I feel fine. Oh. I, I don't feel sick at all. I never would have taken a test unless my aunt had made everyone take it before they left their respective domiciles. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're feeling all right. You know, pop my cherry. Feel great. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it comes for us all at some point. It sure oh. will in increasingly uh, Transformers-esque names. Yeah, I was an early Rona guy. I think I was. I think I was hit in February of uh, last year. So I was one of the the first patient zero, I guess. Well, congrats on that. That's a nice achievement. <laughs> That's cool. Your your children yeah. can tell their children about it. I have been in like proximity to multiple people that have had the Rona, and uh, you know. Shit, like you said, it's gonna hit everybody eventually. Yeah. Well. So stay safe out there, everybody, and also yeah. be aware that there might be an increased likelihood of COVID absences in your fantasy basketball league. <laughs> How about that segue? Yeah, at least on the performance side, my team had a pretty good week. Let's get into it. Uh, Joel Embiid came back from his COVID absence and it apparently was pretty bad. He was like, it got me good. I'm glad I got through it. Um, so for all those people I mean, out there who are like, Oh no, athletes recover faster. And you're like, it can take down seven footers who are in the prime of life in a way that you will never be. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's, he's not been known as a guy who gets sick and, uh, didn't always eat right and wonder how, how well, and it seems like he's doing a better job of taking care of himself now. But uh, I do remember him missing like half a playoff series back when Jimmy buckets was on Philly and they had that whole thing going because he had like diarrhea or something. So uh, not shocking. Speaking of things that come for us all fucking, how dare you judge a man for getting the runs? It's never the right time to get diarrhea. So they literally lost that series because of that. Dude, do you want him shitting himself on the court? What's wrong with you? Like his team should have picked him up, especially for a diarrhea episode. Like everyone's been there. Everyone's had yeah. dire poopy. Unfortunately. 
but uh speaking me, of I've speaking of diarrhea what you guys are talking about nice job let's, let's talk about the pelicans and the jazz you mean the challenge game parentheses <laughs> s parentheses that yeah. we watched as our challenge from this past week they played the pelicans played in utah two nights in a row happy thanksgiving friday was a great game by the way everyone in utah uh, great game. Great finish. Great finish. Okay, sure. All right. So, uh, okay, so like I'm Brandon said, to, I'm trying to find a silver lining. Oh, you don't have thing. to. Fuck both these teams. Go Pistons. Uh, on Friday they played the Pelicans. Beat Utah in Utah, which is a rare occurrence for any team, and the fact that the Pelicans did it is astonishing. They won 98 to 97. The next night, the Jazz beat the shit out of New Orleans and they ended up winning 127 to 105. (laughs) But, like, the score wasn't even that close. Uh, Utah has the number one offensive rating in the NBA and the number seven defensive rating. New Orleans has the number 26 offense and the number 27 defense. Um, After the game, after those two games, the Pelicans are now. 5 and 17. They're 4 and 6 over their last 10 though, so like not as bad. And they're in the 11th seed. The Jazz are now 13 and 7. They're 6 and 4 over their last 10, and they're comfortably in the 3rd seed in the West. Well, not comfortably. Everyone's separated by one or two games. But um yeah, this was a good team with title contention hopes versus one of the worst teams in the NBA. Brandon, how'd you feel about it? So I saw, you know, most of the second half and, um, you know, this was a pretty fun game. You know, at one point it looked like, so the Pelicans were up and then at one point it looked like they were going to choke it away. The announcers were basically saying, see, this is, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, when, when a kid does something stupid for the fourth time and you're just like, like that's kind of how they were talking about them. And then uh, Devontae <laughs> Graham hits yeah. the hits the shot at the end probably the biggest shot of his career um it was a fun game you know you know the second game i i did not watch it but i did follow it uh, and i watched the highlights um but this was a fun game and it was a good win for the pelicans you know what stood out to me was without zion as we discussed right it's brandon ingram's show um he's got the ball in his hands a lot so he's kind of running like a point forward role which is good for his production his shot doesn't seem to be quite falling as much or at least it didn't fall a a ton in this series but he's not taking a ton of shots either so it seems like he's going to really focus on kind of distributing and playmaking and doing a few different things um so not not surprised there at all um on the utah side you know, those guards really, really push this offense with uh, with Donovan Mitchell and Bogdanovich, right? Like, um, Bogdanovich, it seems – I mean, that guy, when you see him shoot, you're just like, why doesn't this guy score even more? Because it's just like his shot is just ridiculous, and he can really pull up from like four or five feet behind the, the line, and, and it's it's still, you know, a very, very consistent jump shot. So, you know, on the Utah side, you had you have that going. And then you have, <clears throat> obviously, 
you know, a guy who I would say maybe the most consistent fantasy player in the last like half decade in uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, nothing to really say there. Everyone kind of knows what he does, but you know, he just kind of continues to just really just annihilate, you know, you know, certain shots in the paint. He's just, he changes the game um, and he doesn't always get credit for it, but you know, his impact on the, on just kind of the way penetrating guards kind of attack is just, it just kind of changes their whole game plan. And you can see that when you watch the, when you watch the game and uh, so, you know, I mean, it was a, it was kind of a shocker that Utah lost that first one. They probably should have taken that game earlier on in the, in the game and not let it come down to the fourth quarter. And they took it out on them the second night, but um, fantasy wise, production wise, there wasn't, as much production as you would have liked to see kind of across the board, but you know, the usual suspects put up their, their, their stat lines, like I said, with Mitchell and uh, Gobert and Bogdanovich Mm -hmm. and, and Brandon Ingram, his shot didn't really fall, but like I said, he's continuing to contribute with points, rebounds and assists. So, um, you know, there's a few guys if you go dig a little deeper, but for the most part, I would say is the guys contributed to, I expect to contribute. I agree with all of that except Rudy Gobert. The Stifle Tower, who you know I love, the French rejection himself, was pretty fucking quiet in both these games, and he lost the first game. He went 5 for 10 from the line, and Utah lost by one point. That's Rudy's fault. Um, He was... He scored nine points and had 10 boards in the first game. In the second game, six points and eight boards. He only shot four times in the second game, big whoop. But um, he only shot three times in the first game. I really sort of feel like the Pelicans took him out of the game in both games. And, you know, Jonas Valanciunas and uh, Willie Hernan Gomez, they got him out of the paint and they... didn't really let him get involved in the offense at all. Uh, Like you said, Boyan, he was like five for five from three at one point in the first game, but then he was 0 for three from three in the second game. Mm -hmm. Don Mitch, uh, he was quiet in the first game, six of 21 from the floor, two for seven from three, but went 16, four and six. But then the second game, he went 21, seven and seven. And Utah looked completely different. Um, the Pelicans shot 23% from three in the second game and Utah shot 57% from three. So that's how you win basketball games when there's a 30 percentage point difference in the most valuable shot you can take. Um, Jordan Clarkson can still light it up. He had 20 points in the second game. Um, you know, it was really yeah. just the fact that like Utah's threes didn't fall in the first game and the Pelicans did. And then in the second game, you know, BI BI had what 21 in the first game. It was fun. Like I still like watching Brandon Ingram and I still feel like he could be a really, really, really good player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man, yeah, like Rudy rebounds and five assists too, though. Right. So he's a pretty good, yeah. he's, but his shot eight for, eight for 24, Eight for twenty-two, one for four from three. Um, I do agree with you on Gobert offensively. 
But I mean, free throw shooting, you you know what you get from Gobert, right? Let's see, like a sixty sixty six. So like you make yeah. one more, two out of three. Yeah, it's not a enough. loss, you know. Um, but he also did. He had five blocks across the two games. Um, sure. And you know he's going to he's going to kind of give you, you know that that production. Like you know we talk about stocks on the show and. He's oh, yeah. pretty elite there. Right? I'm not so, saying fuck Rudy in fantasy. Like, I know, uh, I know. But I do. You would have liked to. See I wanted more to against the Pelicans. Well, and because you mentioned Rudy Gay, and I sort of feel like Rudy Gay is there as, uh, as Rudy Gobert's backup. Like it's Rudy for Rudy. Like Rudy. It's a tale of two Rudys, yeah. It's uh... because Gobert gets played off the floor in the playoffs under the right situation. Like you just can't keep him out there. He's when the other team goes small and they can dominate, like the Clippers. Like Gobert just can't keep up with that. So then, if you have Rudy Gay who comes in as a small ball five, yeah, like who can and, keep up with that? I don't know, Rudy. It's... Rudy Gay. He looks he looks bigger than what I remembered. Like he. I kind of thought of him as like more of like a slender kind of wing, but looking at him now, he looks like a small ball five and he, uh, he's shooting the ball great right now. So, you know, we'll see how much they use him. If they do use him, he's a guy that I, that I do, you know, kind of like, um, but he's an older guy, had some injuries and, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens with him, but He's always been a solid player, just like you said, though. Yeah, he has been. He's a he's a great shooter. Like he still has, you know, really really pure jump shot, and uh, you know he's going to play for them. So, um, a couple other notes. Uh, He's not producing at all, but they seem really committed to playing like Herbert Jones right now in New Orleans. So (laughs) he's playing a ton of minutes. So I'm I'm just going to kind of like Herb keep an eye on him but he's playing you know significant minutes um you mentioned hernan gomez i thought he played he he played well he's always a guy to you know somehow finds his way into a role and gets some minutes like mid-season and he produces right he's a points and rebounds guy and so um you know he always seems to produce like the last few years no matter where he is a guy who i last guy i'd like to kind of touch on on uh pelican on the pelicans is uh kira lewis was a guy i think you and i both had discussed coming into the year that we were intrigued by yeah and he just he's just not shoot he just cannot find the basket right now on his jump shot it's It's like yeah it's bad and uh you know this they're giving him some minutes there's really no established point guard right now in new orleans you have Devontae Graham, who, you know, besides that shot, he's not really doing a lot. Um, you got Nickel Alexander-Walker, Sadoransky. But I think that Kier Lewis, I think that he could carve out a role if he could start to hit some shots. But right now, it's just, it's ugly. So, um, I don't know. He's still a guy I have some hope for. Um, it's still really early in his career, so I, I like his upside. Um, but would have liked to, you know, see a little bit more production given that he's been given kind of a little bit of an opportunity here. I'm, I keep wondering, cause I, I feel the same way. I want, 
Hira to do well. I think he's, I feel like he has the, uh, like a really high floor for being a fun player to watch if it starts clicking. Like he's just fast and uh, he's an interesting kind of dude to have with a somewhat, he, like Brandon Ingram isn't boring, but like he's, not the flashiest, most emotive dude in the mm-hmm. whole world. So it's just like fun to have some pizzazz. Like that was one of the reasons why Zion's so cool. Cause it's like, cool that this is drama right on. This is incredible shit. Whereas BI is a little bit more like smooth, quiet, doesn't sweat right. that much, you know, like, yeah. isn't, you know, screaming at people. Um, They just have a bunch of like young guards aside from Sadoransky who I liked and thought he would have a bigger role in this team, but he hasn't grabbed it. If any one of their shots starts falling, then like they'll be the de facto guy. It's just how long do we wait for this slump in the NBA to end? That's what I'm doing. I'm still giving people the benefit of the doubt that this slump is like either new ball plus new rules plus, you know, a weird past two years, but I don't know. It's going to be December on Wednesday. Like how long am I, allowed to feel this way yeah by the way uh alexander walker took the second most shots in that first game uh 17 shots so it's interesting he's putting it up uh on the jazz side mike conley he still Mm. looks like mike conley it's just he kind of disappears a little bit at times so you know you're not getting like great production out of him but it's it's very consistent Mike Conley production like he's shooting the ball all right um he's distributing it he's playing defense uh but you know he just his usage isn't really high enough right now to warrant like really getting too excited about with that said you know he did kind of start slow last year and then got better as the year went on um and you know they don't really have a whole, whole lot of depth, you know, as a guy who can like get, be a playmaker out there. They do have guards, but like you said, it's Clarkson's more of a scorer. Mitchell's a scorer. Um, so I think Conley's his minutes are about as safe as anyone's on this team, um, but just not, it's kind of like high floor, but just like you know, yeah. really low ceiling. Um, <clears throat> and then Rudy Gay, you know, like I said, we'll see. I don't see him playing more than like 20 minutes, but um, if he does, he seems like he's going to rebound and shoot, um, you know, and, and do a few things, you know, make a few nice plays out there. So, uh, you know, it's a guy in really deep leagues you might consider picking up if you, if you, if you need, uh, if you have a need at like a small forward spot. Regarding Mike Conley, old man Mike now, who I absolutely loved back in memphis um i believe saturday was the first time he had played in back-to-back games this year so that's a positive sign to me um a the jazz were like we're not fucking losing the second game to the fucking new orleans pelicans you're playing it's all hands on deck because we'll get fired Um, and B, like they trust him to be able to do that now. So that's a good sign for my Conley owners. I agree with Brandon. I think positive regression is coming, but it's never going to be dynamite. Like he's not on the team to score 20 points. He doesn't need to do that. Yeah. 
Um, Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles have been the wing tandem, and both of them have underwhelmed so far. Like, Ingles always generally does this. He'll come off the bench for the first month, and he'll be a little rusty and not in rhythm, and then people will get injured, and he'll start more and more. And by the middle of the season, he's, you know, like 11, 7, and 6 or something. Like, he, he mm-hmm. ends up getting you a really well-rounded stat line. Mm-hmm. Um, Royce O'Neal, I don't know. But in real life, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gay is a pretty nice switchblade to have. Or not switchblade, uh, Swiss Army knife to have. <laughs> Unless you have a three-bladed switchblade. Um, yeah. Just because it's like those are three dudes that can adequately defend and score on the wing. And they know what to do and they're not going to fuck up. So I, I feel like Utah is trying to become more interchangeable because of their defeats in the postseason recently. They have to. And also, like, we didn't really say, but, like, fuck Don Mitch is awesome. In the second game, 21-7-7, like, he put them away. At one point, the fucking Jazz were up 40 points. You know, like, they... The Jazz crushed the Pelicans in the second game. Uh, And then there was just a bunch of garbage time. But Don Mitch, like, him versus Jamal Murray last year, man, was so fucking exciting. And, uh, you know, I... Because it's the Jazz, we just really get to see that much of Donovan Mitchell or hear about him. But he's still great, everybody. If you have him on your team, you're awesome. Yeah, no, he's a monster. Yeah, but, you know, that that's kind of, you know, the, like I said, it seems like the same kind of guys that produced in similar roles for Utah last year are going to, you know, give you the same production this year. It's pretty consistent across the board, I'd say. Would you agree? Yeah. And again, number one offensive rating in the NBA, which yeah. is incredibly weird. Oh, we didn't say anything. Like, did Josh Hart do anything? I forget. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he did, um, he did rebound. He did rebound. So he, uh, I think he had, yeah, he, so in the first game he had eight points, four rebounds, and he had five assists. Um, in the second game, he had six points, five rebounds, and a couple assists. So not a ton of scoring, um, but did, you know, get get a significant share of rebounding, especially for a guard. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a nice assist game on the first night. Just a weird couple of games. I'm glad we watched those. Yeah. Like there was never any world in which I would have watched either of those games had I not been forced yeah. to do so by our challenge game. Yeah, it's fun. Do you have a challenge game for me for this upcoming week? I do. So uh this week coming up, we're gonna get it out of the way early. Uh, this is a pretty good game though. Um, tomorrow night nuggets at the Miami heat seven 30 on NBA TV. Sure. Be there or be square. Nice. Um, that is going to be a fun one. And, uh, if you remember, this is the teams that, you know, had a little scuffle 
not too long ago. Nice. So there is that added intrigue. Right on. Yeah. Wait, is uh, Joker's back, right? Well, so he's, I think he missed uh, last night, but uh, I think it's day to day right now. He's He'll questionable from, he's questionable on Monday. So I believe he missed the last game, but uh, yeah, he sat. Yeah, so he's back, uh, but it says questionable. Um, so hopefully he does play, but I think either way, I think that's going to be a fun one. Um, sometimes I like to see teams win, like a guy like Jokic is out too, a team sure. with this many, this many athletes. When Jeff Green uh, plays center. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, maybe Bull Bull, we'll see a Bull Bull sighting, you know, uh, who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the game. Um, Denver's 9-10. and 10. This is Sunday night, by the way, uh, that we're recording this. Denver's 9-10. and 10. Uh, They're in the 10th seed in the West, and Miami is 13-7. and seven. They're number two in the East. Mm-hmm. It is that is interesting. That is yeah. extremely interesting. Um I've been in Miami. Like there are several players on both of those teams that I've been sort of disappointed in this year. Um, but I th- I'm hoping that they'll be coming out of it. But man, Denver's like one more bad luck thing away from just having to punt on the season. Because they just there. like you can't. I mean, you you could lose Monty Morris, and like, who cares? <laughs> but and I've, I've been disappointed in him. In him, I thought he was going to be doing yeah. better this year with a larger role. I also was hoping that Facundo Campazzo was going to do better, but whatever. It seems um, like he's playing better as of late, though. At least yeah. from what I've seen. Yeah, um, I keep wanting to pick him yeah. up, and then it's like, cool, but you played like 11 minutes and shot three times and missed two of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, but he's so much get, fun to watch. You'll get you'll get a, a little bit uh, of a dose tomorrow of the magician. It's kind of surprising that the Heat... Okay, here's the East right now. Brooklyn Nets, Miami Heat, Washington Wizards, Milwaukee Bucks, Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets. Those are the top six teams. Um, that's the, that top five, at least like, I don't know about Charlotte, but that top five could be real. Like Washington's defense is for real. The bulls are for real. The bucks are getting healthy. Like, I don't know if it'll be that same order, but that could be the, the top five teams at the end of the year in the East. I, I was looking at the standings last night and kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, I there's... do believe in Charlotte, but I think that they have to. Uh, they, they've never. This is a very like young unit there, and they, yeah. uh, you know, the the couple veteran guys they have. It's like Hayward. He's you know we got to make sure he stays healthy. So, um, but I like I like those teams that the kind of the all top six, and then the next four to me make a lot of sense too. I think that it would take sort of a miracle for the Cavs to stay in as a play in team. Like, so the next four are uh, the New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Boston Celtics, then the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then the Cavs are 10 and 10 
And then the 11th seed is the Philadelphia 76ers at also at 10 and 10. I, yeah, so I think when I feel at it, Philly might've been ahead of the Cavs at that point. Sure. But, but it's like, if, if there's a team that I definitely think won't be in the top 10 at the end of the season, it's the Cavs. I, yeah, it would I, just I take Philly. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, but like, if Mobley hadn't gotten hurt, I wouldn't say that probably. Well, he's back. But, he is but, back. He played in his first game. Uh, but agreed. No, no, I, I, I was thinking Philly and, uh, the Cavs are a good story, though. You got to be excited about the oh, future there. But, totally, um, losing Sexton yeah. sucks. But Doesn't I mean, it? that's almost more because of like from an asset point of view. Yeah. But um, not from a defensive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, and you know, Embiid's back for Philadelphia. So I don't know. Like what? It, it's it's so early still. But uh, you know, we're twenty games in. That's a quarter of the season. This is yeah. when patterns tend to start becoming actual fact. Um, and then the West, I think there's just going to be so much movement that I don't even really care. Although the bottom teams right now, the ones out of the play-in, are Sacramento, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, New Orleans, Houston. I could see that staying. Like yeah, nothing the bad surprises teams. me there. Yeah, I mean, um, the Spurs, I didn't think that it would be this hard for them to score, but... It does make sense in retrospect. So Denver, even if they do decide to punt the season, they may not be able to fall out of that spot. But speaking of uh, the bottom of the West, how about those Minnesota Timberwolves? What do you mean? I don't see them at the bottom of the West. Well, I see them in the seventh seed, son. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. uh, Ten and ten, like a pimp. Are you kidding me? They just played the Sixers, who are also ten and ten, and Bead and Cat, like, were actually. They seemed like they were being nice to each other, but they got into a scuffle a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. These Minnesota Timberwolves. I watched that game, and this is the focus team of the week, by the way, folks. Uh, they're. Yeah, I'll, I'll just too. say this. I have nothing but love for the big cat and for the ant man. And like that's that's All a right, team so worth watching my, just for those two. This is my initial reaction to that. And uh just this kind of like the the whole franchise in general. Oh, when wow. I look Go at meta. the talent, when I look at the talent on this roster and I you know, I focus on the top. This team is really talented. Like, this team's got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of offensive scoring. I mean, for as underwhelming as they are, I mean, I don't know, man. Not that D'Angelo Russell is the greatest player, but when you watch him, he makes plays. And I watched that game, and he he went – you know, I would say from what I saw, he was out playing Tyrese Maxey. And uh, Carl Anthony Towns is just as talented as anyone in the league. And Anthony Edwards is probably just as talented as him. So, you know, when you kind of throw those three together and then you also factor in that they have like Malik Beasley and, uh, you know, Nas Reed and Beverly and Josh McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels. And, you know, I know, I know these aren't like 
great, great players, but given kind of like how underwhelming they are and you look at those top three players they have and then Malik Beasley, who's shown he can score 15 to 20 points, like, I don't know, man. I think that they should be a little more in the mix than they've been. And I get it. They are 10 and 10 and a seven, but come on, man. Like I want to see something out of these guys. Cause you've got, you've got two, you've got a young duo just as good as any other young duo in the league. I'd say uh, at this age, at that age. So why yeah. can't they, you know, why, if, why are the expectations there for Boston with that young duo? And there's no expectation even near that level here in, in Minnesota. It's just, you know, that's that's my gripe with this this organization and these guys. It's like I don't watch them a lot, but when I do, you're like, these dudes are talented, man. Like they've got a one two punch that is like ridiculous. So I don't know. Just wish I I, I expect a little bit more. I'd like to see more out of them. Out of out of towns especially. Well, their one-two punch has one hand tied behind their back because Carl Anthony Towns takes the third most shots on that team. That's one of the things that makes this team a little illegit. Like they're seven and three over their last ten, strong for sure. They're ten and ten. Yeah. They have a top ten defensive rating, which seems insane, but is true. But the big cat, even if he and Anthony Edwards are on the same level in talent. Carl Anthony Towns has been there longer. It's his team, and he needs to be shooting the most on the Minnesota Timberwolves. D'Lo can't be shooting more than Cat, at least. Like, you just can't structure your team offense this way. Here's, okay... Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns, Towns 23 points. He should be scoring. He should definitely be scoring more points than that. Dude, he could score 30 a game. Yeah, he should be scoring like, 27 a game, honestly. Okay, he's averaging 16.2 field goal attempts per game. Big cat, Carl Anthony Towns. 34 players in the NBA average more than that. 34. Yeah. That's my point. Of the 38 players who average 16 or more field goal attempts, Big Cat has the fifth best field goal percentage at 50.8. Uh, that list, the only dudes that are better than that in field goal percentage are the Joker, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. Um, he's shooting the least in the last four seasons, Big Cat is, which is... I know. He's trending in Just the wrong direction. Awful. Of the of the 57 NBA players who average at least six three-point attempts per game, Cat has the third best three-point percentage. It's yeah. the third best from your center. Yeah, because he's always hanging out down there. Um, hanging out at the three-point line. But- yeah. I mean, Cat fouled out of that last game, which is one of the reasons why DAR was able to win it for them, basically, because Cat wasn't there. Um, But, like, that is when you're starting. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Did you just call him DAR? D'Angelo. D'Angelo? Yeah. Yeah. He's D'Lo. 
I can call him whatever I want. He played in Brooklyn. D-A-R. He's I called him D-Lo earlier. It's fine. We're <laughs> friends. He has lots of names. Mr. Russell to you. Okay. Um, D-A-R. So, <laughs> but to get, so Patrick Beverly is out injured and that really sucks for Minnesota because he was the straw that stirred the defensive drink on that team. Yes, he brought he uh, like, he brought dedication and discipline and enthusiasm to that part of the game that had been sorely lacking in Minnesota for forever, really. Uh, V8, Jared Vanderbilt, he's sort of like mm-hmm. the other dude in the starting five who's there to do the dirty work and just play defense, but he's looked much better recently. He's one yeah, of those young guys that him. you mentioned. Yeah. Yep. Also, just a really cool nickname, and you guys know that I'm all about that. But Anthony Edwards is one thing. You you just can't let Carl Anthony Towns be as passive as this and let D'Angelo Russell, D-A-R, D-Lo, the DJ formerly known as a Laker. You, it doesn't – you can't waste Cat. Like, you should take shots away from Russell and from Edwards and give them to Cat. You should make sure that he is shooting the most on that team. Because if he doesn't, if he's going to be passive and let these other two dudes just be the focus of the offense, then you should trade him. Like, if you don't want to be the guy that is the best player on the team when you have the most talent, then I, I kind of don't want you here. Like, I, I would rather just go do something else. Because you're going to yeah. co- you're going to cost a max contract and, like, you don't need the ball? Really? Why? Well, it makes you wonder if he really wants to be there. But his, like, he's best friends with D'Angelo, isn't he? Like, the reason that Russell is there is because Cat wanted him there, or that's how the thinking went, I guess. I mean, I I hear these stories of who's friends with who. I don't. It's hard for me to keep up with that. But uh, you know, his like you said, his scoring has gone down each of the last couple seasons, and. Um, you know, I don't his his field goal attempts have also gone down, right? So it's like yeah. I want you to shoot the ball more, not less. Um he's shooting the ball, he's so efficient this year. Uh yeah. that it, it just it just makes you wonder, like you said, why is he not getting more shots? Um but I mean for that three that trio is a pretty good trio. You have to admit. Now, I'm not saying it's going to win a championship, but that is a trio that should be able to get you in the playoffs. Like, so I don't know. I need to see some some more out of those guys. Edwards, you know, he's the youngest and he's he's a baby. Um, but man, is that guy athletic. So if his jump shot becomes consistent, he he could be a really, really good player. Like, I mean, he's already a good player, but uh, he could be, he could be, you know, maybe he is, maybe Cat thinks he's the, you know, Edwards is the guy. I don't know. Maybe Edwards is, is going to take that, that, that spot. It's as you say, like if he actually develops an outside shot, you combine that with those drives and those dunks where it seems like he's taller <laughs> than the rim. It's, yeah, his dunking ability is just. And he's thick, dude. You know, like, he's not swole. He's thick. He's not toned. It's just like, that's a big, muscular... He's one of those strong dudes that doesn't have, like, 
Dwight Howard definition, you know, but it's like that guy is clearly the strongest dude on the court at all times, really. Yeah, no, he He's looks like the real deal. He, he, I just wonder, like, you know, in college, he did not shoot the ball well at all. So that's my question with him, but athleticism is not. But he's also only been – he came to basketball late. He was going to be a football player. So there's a – a baseball player apparently. Yeah, he's great, man. And he has a cool attitude and he's fun to watch. Um, shit, I bet you there's some T-Wolves fans being like, man, trade Cat and, and D'Lo. Fucking get him out of here. This is the Ant-Man's team. It's fucking yeah, Avenger. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so you don't – so wait a second. You do believe in their talent, but you don't believe in their future. Is that what I'm getting from you? Like you don't believe in their record, but you really like their. No, I think they're. I think they're underperforming. Okay. I think that their talent suggests. I think that 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 trio is probably better than what like all of maybe like ten teams in the NBA have, honestly. And so I don't see why that why they can't be a, you know, why are they not contending for like a top four or five seed in the West? Now I know that maybe that's asking a lot, but like, I mean, we just went through the standings and, you know, like why, like they should not be, I don't know. It seems like they should, they should be a little bit higher up in the standings and it's early, but it's also, like you said, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season. So, um, and we've been having the same conversation about the Timberwolves now for, you know, a while. Um, <laughs> their entire like, why, like, <laughs> like, you know, and, and it's, it's really close, you know, it is really, really close from like the fourth seed down to the, to the 10th oh, yeah. in the West. Uh, but that's but, why we look at like point differential and offensive and defensive ratings. Like the but, fact that look, they have a top 10 defensive rating. That's nice. That's a good. Sign. Okay. But, but outside of let's golden state, Phoenix and Utah. Let's take them off the table. Those teams are all better than Minnesota, clearly. But after that, it's like Dallas, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, the Lakers. Lakers, you know, we'll, we'll leave them out of this conversation. That's a kind of just which trio on. would you rather have? <laughs> but but my point is like, are any of those teams really more talented than this than this team? Like Dallas, I mean, they have Luca. And they have Porzingis is really, really coming on strong. But I don't know that they're really like head and shoulders above this trio of guys, honestly. If this, if the Minnesota roster was the New York Knicks roster, every Knicks fan and a lot of ESPN and all the rest of the national media would be like their title contenders. Like, look at how much talent they have. They started off slow, but it's fine. We'd just talk about them in a different way. Like, in a vacuum, if you didn't know that this team was the Timberwolves, I think people would feel a little bit differently about them. Because yeah, it does feel like it's the same old shit with Minnesota. You know? Like, they make bad decisions, but they continue to get talent. It never coalesces at the same time. But they haven't had three dudes of this talent level since Glove and Garnett and the other one who I can't remember. Was it the white guy? I don't even remember. 
But like there's there was never this amount of talent when Kevin Love was there. It was yeah. K Love and what, Rubio? And then who else? Mm-hmm. No, that's that's my point. You have three guys that are like almost like three all stars and uh you know, but all right. They are what they are. Uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I think we went through most of the the Timberwolves that make sense. Like you said, Vanderbilt, he's really kind of coming along stronger. Um, really been a great source of rebounding. Jaden McDaniel, if you watch, he'll have some flashes, and you know he's still really, really young and intriguing. Um, and there's an opportunity there, but I think you know Malik Beasley is. Um, kind of entrenched and um you know I, I think honestly you're going to see you know just really those those main three guys score 20 points a night and if Carl Anthony Towns decides he wants to to you know score 30 he can on any given night like you said so um you know they're they're really top heavy Pat Bev has been a great piece for them and Pat Bev is playing great so Maybe, you know, when he comes back, I don't know what his injury timeline is. Maybe, you know, but maybe when he comes back, um, you know, maybe we'll see something out of this team if he can really hit a nice groove and, and kind of stick there. But, you know, they even they, they've got a lot of a lot of uh, talent to me, like I said. And I think, you know, I'd like to see them take a shot at, at you know, doing something in the playoffs this year. And with Pepev and V8, like they you can sort of see why the roster would make sense to somebody. You know, it's like we have three dudes that need to score, and then we have two guys who are there for defense and don't need to score, but can when they get, you know, put in the right situation. We have a guy that can score off the bench. We have young, intriguing players who are athletes with long arms. Mm-hmm. Um like it does also, you know, they have a coach that is supposed to be a def- uh, an offensive genius. I don't know. It all seems like it should make sense. Uh, so maybe it will eventually. But I just, it's hard for me to really believe in this team as legit if Cat isn't shooting the most, honestly. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, he could, he he is a transcendent offensive player. Like, he could be, not with the assists, but, like, at a level on offense, like Joker, like basically anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agreed. It's it's kind of a shame. <laughs> like, it is, but anyway, that's enough about Minnesota. But they're they're not dreadful, which is good. All three of their best players are healthy at the same time and playing at the same time. That's good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, shit. Have been two weeks if they've you know, even stay 500, that'll be good for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shall see. All right, let's move on to some player ads. Um, we don't have any studs and duds this week. I have a couple of volume plays, and then I'm taking three dudes from one team as well um okay how many how many ads do you have this week <laughs> you look excited oh, i'm that. extremely excited um i have five guys to discuss in you know oh. to varying degrees 
shit, we both have five dudes. That's awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. you go first. You wanted to, I mean, it doesn't even need to be volume, like do it however you want. Uh, I just did. I just have them in, you know, three tiers. So I have a couple guys who are owned um, in the mid thirties percent. And uh, first one being one that I think is uh, pretty legit pickup. And the other one is one that I'm hoping can develop into more. So first one being uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, um, <laughs> you know, it's not sexy, but if you look what? at what do you mean? <laughs> if you look at his Why production, um, it's good. Yeah. It's been really good. It's been really good. So on yeah. the season right now, he's averaging almost 14 points and six rebounds. Um, he's shooting the ball 58%. He's only taken gimmies. Um, and you know that his mid range game is still one of the most pure in all of basketball at six foot 11. I think he is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he can still get that off easily. Um, and he's shooting 37% from three. So, you know, he's hitting that three pointer, not taking a ton, only taking about 1.3 a game. Um, but he's hitting it at a really high clip and they need him to score without Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, this isn't like, this is like a necessity right now. Um, he's had to kind of, you know, give them this, this offensive production and these more, more importantly, these minutes. So, um, you know, I think that he's a pretty safe pickup right now. Obviously there's injury risk and just kind of like wear and tear. He could sit some back to backs and things like that, but, you really can't afford to sit him too much. Um, so I expect him to continue to kind of play in this role um, indefinitely. And I, I like what he's what he's doing. And he's only owned in 34% of leagues. So I recently tried to look up, because I saw that mid-range shit too. And I was like, wait, are he and KD, how good are they as a mid-range duo historically? Because Durant's... I mean, he yeah. can score from wherever he wants to, but um, the mid range is coming back. I think a little bit. It mm-hmm. is the players who can actually hit them efficiently seem emboldened to take them more this year. Um, I don't know why. Well, de- well, defenses are set up now. Have been guys have been conditioned to play defense in, for the last like five years now to like just chase guys out to the three point line. So you know if you can like slip in between and, and get into that mid range, I think that guys are just not really, they just don't really have the defensive savvy anymore to even like guard that area of the court. That, I think to. that makes sense. And then like, if you put on top of that, that Durant and LMA are both, you know, six eleven, seven feet tall and can shoot over people anyway. It seems like it's a way to attack defenses now. Like you just get them in the middle um, I, yeah. you know, the, the most efficient shots are the ones that you can hit half of the time or better. So yeah. <laughs> like if you, if you can just make those because you have a 97 foot long wingspan and it's not like LaMarcus Aldridge is jumping over people. It's just that he's so tall and his release point is so tall that like it's going over. Uh, he's like you said, he's been vital to the Nets which is hysterical because the Nets are in first place in the East and everyone's basically panicking about them. It's very Nixie, uh, except for the <laughs> first place part. 
but you know, like everyone's panicking and because of Harden and the new rules and Kyrie and everything else. Meanwhile, Durant's just like quietly led the team to the number one seed in the East by I think a couple of games, right? He's I mean, he's playing Okay, so mind. they're fourteen and six and Miami's thirteen and seven. But um yeah. yeah, the 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 team's good. Like Joe Harris was injured, Bruce Brown was injured. There's it's just a strange roster and they don't know what's going to happen. And if Harden gets into shape and returns to form, if Kyrie comes back, if they make some kind of a trade, like you can see this team going to ridiculous speed pretty easily, I think for the Nets, but LMA, like he's the fact that Blake Griffin has busted and Aldridge has been there has been pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other guy at that percentage, and then I'll let you you, you get your guys uh, in there. But uh, the other guy who's also kind of at that same percentage level, and this is, you know, maybe maybe I'm just a little too excited about what this team is doing. <laughs> but Alex Caruso at 36 percent. Sure. Um, so in the last two weeks, you know, this is his, his stat line. Nine points per game, uh, five and a half rebounds four and a half assists, two steals, and 1.13s. He's shooting the ball, not very, not at a great percentage, 37%, but he's shooting 95% from, from the free throw line, which will come down. He's not, he's not a great free throw shooter historically, but he has been, he was a 40% three-point shooter last year. And I think that, you know, at this point, you, you said it probably two, three, maybe even four weeks ago. You said, why don't they just start Caruso if they know that he's the guy that is going to play the fifth most minutes. Right. And um, it seems like he kind of has that attitude now. And I think that he's been (laughs) emboldened to like, kind of take on, you know, he kind of knows like I can kind of do my thing out here now. And, you know, if he can be a guy who can score close to 10 points a game and give you five rebounds, five assists, and maybe almost lead the league in steals, um, I like what I see from him. And at 35% for a guy that I know is going to get 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, every night, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at him and, and I want to see him, if he starts shooting the ball just a little bit more from three, it's like, he's almost kind of like, if he can kind of give you that same stat line as Lonzo, um, which I think he might be capable of maybe a few, not, not quite as good of a passer, but um he can play make a little bit. So I, I like Caruso at that percentage. I love dudes like this because it's the fact that people think that his value is so lessened because he comes off the bench is the reason why he's so under-owned, under-rostered. So it's mm-hmm. like you're it's a dude who should be at least 50% owned. It's a guy who can win you a stat category like by himself and a guy who can also get better, like his ratios could improve. So it's basically like the value of 20 point per game score just spread out amongst like other statistical categories in a player. And, uh, you know, when he scores more than 10 points a game, you love it, but that's not why he's on your roster. He's on your roster, so you 
have a buffer and can spend roster space on a true scorer somewhere else. Cause he's going to get you boards. He's going to get you dimes. He's going to get you steals. His ratios will hopefully improve. He has attitude. He has swagger shit. He turned on the Lakers. He told them to fuck off. Um, yeah. Chicago thrilled that he worked out. I would sort of like to see him like just lead the second unit and just sort of be the only dude out there and see like what he could do. But uh, it's a weird time in the roster for the bulls because losing Patrick Williams didn't turn out to be as big of a deal as I certainly thought it would be. And as I think the bulls fans were scared, it would be, Um, but they're still finding success. So now it's like, all right, well shit, do we really need Patrick Williams? Could we see ourselves like maybe trying to make it this year? So I don't know. Caruso and Lonzo together, though, is just chef's kiss. It's so mm-hmm. fucking nice. Yeah, it's worked out well. Who are, who are your guys? Okay, my two volume guys. And I hate doing this, but I'm going to uh, suggest a Cleveland Cavalier. I'm sorry to everybody. Lori Markinen, the finisher. Oh, yeah. Oh, Cleveland Cavalier. He is my first volume dude because the Cavs play four games this week. They are at Dallas, at Miami, at Washington, and then home for Utah. Those are four games where they're going to need to score, and Lori Markinen is there to score. Uh, in the three games... He's played since returning for being absent. He's 46% rostered, by the way, on ESPN legs. Uh, he's averaging he's shooting 18. up. He's shooting Sorry? up, right? He's shooting <laughs> up as far as percentage wow. going. Don't my brain know. was like, oh, my God, they busted him for hard drugs? <laughs> no. Well, he's no. he's Swedish. I guess I could see it. but right. I think he's gone up like 15% in the last week. He so, should be. He's in prime position like – yeah. The three games since he came back, he's scoring 18 grabbing 18 points per game, grabbing eight rebounds, uh three three-pointers made. That's exactly what Cleveland wanted from him when they signed mm-hmm. him or when they traded for him and then signed him. He's and 24 what he years has old to do on that team. Yeah, and he knows it. Like that's literally the thing you do best. So score from outside, grab some boards when we need you to. He's still young. He's only 24. He's 6'11". Um, he shot 40% from three last year, so there's positive regression coming. He shot 62 true shooting percentage last year, which is amazing. Um, I think if he gets the minutes, he'll find success, especially because you know this team, when it's him, Mobley, and Jared Allen in the front court and on the wings, like that's the you you can lean on their defense on Mobley and Allen's defense. Like Lori Marketing yeah. doesn't need to be an elite perimeter defender in order to be a successful player for this team. Uh so yeah, I just like the positioning. I like the fact that uh he provides something that the Cavaliers dearly need, <laughs> you know, yeah. spacing the floor. And um he's under rostered. So may, I mean you said that he should he's his uh roster percentage is shooting up so maybe he's over 50 now but if he's not and you have an open roster spot 
he has four games this week and you know that he'll be playing, you know, he'll be starting. I, I mean, 18 and eight, if you don't need that, then uh, your team's doing better than mine is. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's 46% rostered up 8% the last week. I'd expect him to, to be over 50, you know, any day now. So pick him up quick. You know, we talked about him last week, big, big fan of him. He's one of those guys that, um, you know, probably a better fantasy player than real life player in all honesty, but a good enough real life player that he's going to play. And on this team, he's especially going to play. And like you said, if he's going to hit three, three pointers a game, he's doing exactly what they need because they have two big men on the floor and they need this third big man to, to space. And, uh, you know, love marking and mentioned, like I said, liked him last week, like him again this week. Um, Honestly, doesn't seem like a guy that if he's going to, you know, kind of continue to produce like this, I don't see why he's not owned in like pretty much every league. Yeah, I thought about that. And I mean, he missed whatever, nine games or more. Um, You have Darius Garland and you had Colin Sexton. So two ball dominant guards. Mm -hmm. You have Jared Allen who needs to eat. And then you have Mobley, who's the rookie. So, like, I was trying to be devil's advocate, you know, like, well, why are there good reasons why he isn't, you know, in on more teams and more leagues? Um, and I do think that all of those put together are, you know, like solid points, but Sexton isn't there, and you always need someone who can score 18 points and shoot three three-pointers while also yeah. grabbing eight rebounds. Like, that's something exactly. you'll always desire on an NBA team. So, and Jared um, Allen's not looking to score. So, yeah, in exactly. all honesty, like this guy, you know, in all honesty, Markinen probably could end up being like the second or third leading scorer on the team. I mean, they are paying him, right? Like they he signed the extension and then they had the trade. It was a sign and trade, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. But he's making money. They might as well play him. And he's young. You should see what you get. Uh, yep. Agree, like Allen. I mean, I like Markin in a lot. And then you know, it's like a Coro can play down a spot at the two, and then you have Garland. Like that, could, I mean, you could see that that team at the that starting five at the end of the year could be pretty intense to play against. But yeah, you got to give them reps. You got to give yeah. them minutes. All these guys are young. Who's um, your other guy? My other volume play. Then I have, oh, then we each have three guys to mention after that. Okay, my other volume play, another team with four games this week, is the Washington Wizards. They are playing at the Spurs, then home for Minnesota, home for Cleveland, and then at Toronto. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, champion, former Piston, guy I've loved forever, basically the dude I was best at in 2K ever, really. Uh, for some reason, I just had his <laughs> shot down. He is five uh, for some reason. Maybe because I, he was on the Pistons. <laughs> I, I mean, let's not go into old shit right now. It's fine. Whatever. It was just because he's the most important player in my whole life. <laughs> just so this is kidding. a deep one. Five five percent rostered. Yes, exactly. 
The last two weeks, he is averaging 13-4-1 with one-plus steal per game and two-plus three-pointers made per game. He's third in minutes on the Wizards and fourth in shots. Uh, You can see how the combination of him, Beal, and Spencer the Mayor Dinwiddie is going to gel and become a transformer of guard play that you weren't ever expecting to play with each other <laughs> like <laughs> KCP and Dinwiddie and Beal like I just never thought that this trio would ever share the floor together I really didn't uh and I've loved them I've loved all of them for a long time uh yeah. but KCP is the perfect perimeter defender for this team and you can tell that because the Lakers miss him dearly this is a Wizards team that has to play him to succeed, even though they have a bunch of rookies and younger players that they also want to give his minutes to, like uh, Denny Avdija, and when Rihachimura comes back, they're going to want to give those minutes to him. But They got the kid out of Gonzaga to the rookie. That's right. But they need to play KCP because they're better than they thought they would be. They're one of yeah. the better defensive teams in the league. Um, they're what, what did I say? Third in the East? Yeah, they're third in the East. They're 13 and seven. They mm-hmm. can't afford to not play him. They have to try yeah. to keep winning because again, this season is about Bradley Beal getting convinced to stay and signing the Supermax. And if you intentionally tank for these fucking young players, then that's not going to encourage him to stay. So I feel no, like KCP's I, minutes I, are pretty safe. I agree. And I think that these, I think that the younger players, when I've watched Washington, they seem like they understand their roles. Um, like Denny and, and, uh, you know, right now, this is, you know, surprised I am to say this. You, you've been a huge Dinwiddie guy for a long time, but, uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's been really good for them and he's, he's been incredible and he continues to get better every year. Um, so, but I agree. I think KCP has a unique skill set that he brings that neither of those other guys do at all, really. Um, and, you know, he's a real traditional three and D. And one thing I like is it seems like he's taking more shots as the season progresses. Like, so. Yeah. Um, you know, he was shooting, you know, one and a half threes a game or making one and a half threes a game. And then he was up to two. Now it looks like he's making like two and a half. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really, um, valuable. And, uh, for, you know, like you said, a guy who's owned, you know, that, that low, that few percentage points, uh, across the ESPN standard leagues, uh, why not? especially in a week with four games, like I desperately mm-hmm. want to pick him up. I just don't want to drop one of the, my boyfriends that's on my main fantasy team right now. But, um, and you know, you know in know, weekly in weekly leagues too, like the only problem with KCP is like some nights he scores, some nights he doesn't. But if you're right. like you said, if it's a weekly league and he has four games, you know, he's going to score probably like 15 points in two of those. And he's going to score like eight points in two of those. Right. So like, I, I agree with you. I feel really comfortable with that. And, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope is a fun name to say. KCP mm-hmm. is a cool abbreviation. When all yeah. else fails, fucking go with how cool the name is. And he's a cool dude. 
I love Casey. Yeah. Um, anyway, those are my two volume dudes. So you said you had three other guys as well? Yeah, so I have a couple other guys that are owned in 11% of leagues. Um, one, we, uh, you know, we talked about him when we talked about the T-Wolves. Uh, that's Vanderbilt. Um, V8? You know, yeah, V8. Uh, he's, he's become a real consistent source of uh, rebounding. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's also been able to score enough that, uh, you know, he, he's flirting with a, you know, he had a double, double a week ago. Um, he was two points. So tempting and titillating every game. It's like, dude, just, you're so close. Just do it. And then, like you said, on the defensive end, he's really active. So, um, in the, for the last seven days, he's, he's at almost three stocks a game. Um, he's a steals. He gets more steals and blocks. Usually from a big, you kind of expect more block shots. Um, but I think that a guy like that who's just going to be active, he's going to, you know, do both. And the rebounding is really impressive. And he's getting better and he's getting more consistent minutes. I mean, his minutes have trended up, you know, pretty – you can – if you just look at his game logs, you'll see that he was playing in the, you know, the teens, then he's in the 20s, and then in the last game he plays 37 minutes. So, um you know, I think he's trending in the right direction. And for 11% owned, if you need boards um, and a guy who's going to give you some stocks, uh, why not? Great field goal percentage um, when he does shoot. So, um, and, you know, I think he's he's a guy who kind of fits that role. And, you know, he's going to play. I think he's perfect next to Cat, too. Like, I really, yeah. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. Like, I really do like that tandem. I think yeah. they are simpatico. Um, and then, yeah, again, V8, just a fucking cool yeah. nickname, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, give us your other two. The other guy. So I'll give you, I'll give you my other 11% and then I'll, I'll save the last one. Um, okay. so the other guy is a guy, you know, we've talked about him and I've got, you know, I love this guy and probably too much. Um, but that's, that's Daniel Gafford. And when he has, when he, and when he does what he, what he did the other night, I believe it was Friday night. Um, yeah, Friday night against Oklahoma city, he flirted with a triple double, (laughs) but with blocks. Yeah. Not with assists. Eight, right? With blocks. He had seven points, eight rebounds and eight blocks. It's unreal. Like you, it's fucking crazy. He's on the season. He's averaging two point one blocks in less than twenty one minutes a game. Now, it's kind of the same effect that you have um, with Mitchell Robinson and with the the Knicks, where it's like, well, yeah, he you know he he blocks more shots. His block rate goes up when he plays less minutes. So you can't just extrapolate that out to like 30 minutes a game, right? Because he's not going to just be a pogo stick out there jumping around at everything. Won't he? Won't he? (laughs) If this guy ever gets 25 minutes a game, I think that he's going to be a a walking double-double with two and a half blocks. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just waiting. He's still really young. I've watched a few Wizards games, and he – you know, he makes some bonehead plays every now and then. He looks like he he doesn't quite get it always, but like his blocks, his blocking, his shot blocking ability is just incredible. And I, I think he's one of the best shot blockers in the league right now. Like him, 
I, I basically like all their centers, which is weird because I used to hate all of their centers. I guess, I guess he's another volume guy. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. And wait, who are their teams? Hold on. Let me say it again. Okay. The teams the Wizards are playing are, oh, yeah, at the Spurs, home for the Timberwolves, home for the Cavs, at the Raptors. Like, that's a pretty nice week, actually, for a big. Yeah. That's not bad at all. I mean, Jared Allen sucks, um, but and you're going to tussle with Cat maybe a little bit, but it's it's not going to be terrible. Um, yeah, Toronto. Man, I don't know. I was watching that game earlier. They they look super talented, but I'm I, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. yeah um, oh man, I can't remember the name of the wizard center that they gave that ridiculous contract to and he was immediately terrible i wish i could it doesn't matter oh the uh shooter no not the laffian laser no this is a contract from like six or seven years ago like a guy from the pacers (laughs) and like it was a contract year snafu any oh but yeah like the latvian laser is there too but it doesn't matter because like if you're not going to help them win then you don't need to be there like this is, yeah. they the, the, the risk they need to, to show Beal that they're willing to win, really. Yeah, and Thomas Bryant is supposedly coming back. I think in the next, I don't know if he's coming back by Christmas or not, but I, I thought it was a December timeline. Uh, there's been no like real updates from what I see, but you know he's going to come back at some point, so he's a threat to Gafford. But you know for this week, if you're looking, if your if your lineup is blocks deficient. And you need some blocks. I, you know, Gafford, I think, is the guy. So, uh, especially with you? the potential for a double double, like in yeah, any game. I mean, and, and he had a double double after the eight block game. He had a double double the next game. Yeah, he's great. So, yeah, also, those minutes. in real life, I do like that duo a lot. I just like both those dudes. Okay, my dudes. I'm going with one team, three players, one team. Okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder, this week, they only play three games, but it's a hell of a three games. Their schedule is at Houston, then home for Houston, and then home for Memphis. The Houston Rockets, who again, the Thunder get to play twice this week, are the... 20th ranked defense the memphis grizzlies have the 30th ranked defense which yeah i i knew it was bad i didn't realize it was that bad so two shitty defensive teams equals lots of tasty fantasy stats lots of counting stats pretty good ratios maybe high scoring games okay uh, if he's not one of my three that's amazing (laughs) That's sexual. Yeah. So then I can just let you talk about him. Okay. So I'll just name them off three in a row. Uh, We've named two of these guys before. Josh Giddy is 48.1% rostered over the last two weeks. He's averaging 12, eight and five. If you don't need that for your fantasy team, then you're a fucking liar. And I think Uh, Josh, if you look at Josh Giddy, you know, I don't, it depends on the league format, obviously, but, because of his percentages, he's still ranked really, really poorly. Yeah. 
So he might yeah. be a guy that you can acquire in a trade if someone just looks at his ranking at his position and they see like he's actually like not even close to like top ten or top twenty. He can't shoot it. He's not yeah. in the top one hundred. You know, yeah. like he's he, with he the can't right score. strategy though. He could be amazing for your team. That dude already seems to me to be a certain lock to get you multiple triple doubles. F- multiple triple doubles every season going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and his shot's getting better, and we're only 20 games in. He's fantastic. And when SGA didn't play the other night and Giddy Up was able to just play the point regular, it was great. He was really good. Uh, Lou yeah, Dort. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Giddy Up is, I mean, I can't believe he's not at least 60% rostered, but whatever. Lou Dort. On the wing, 28.6% rostered, has averaged over 20 points per game over the past two weeks. He is on fucking fire. Also, recall that they play the Rockets twice this week, which means mm-hmm. back-to-back Lou Dort versus Jay Shot Tate. <laughs> mm, mm. Get ready. I thought Thanksgiving only came once a year. Are you yeah. kidding me? That's so much stuffing. I can't we watch that game. Oh. That should just be a second challenge game. Just Dude, because. those two, I'll just watch them play one-on-one. I don't even care. They fucking better be matched up against each other. Otherwise, they'll be extremely upset. And then my last guy, who is 6'8", with a 6'10 wingspan, is now the Oklahoma City Thunder's starting center. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, is this the dude you were going to mention? You're goddamn right, at 3.1%. Okay. Absolutely. The Take fact away, that Maddie. this dude is, like, shorter than almost any other guy you can mention at the center position in the rest of the league. I think Draymond's technically 6'7", but whatever. Yeah. Um, so the last two weeks, JRE is averaging 10 and seven with two, three pointers made per game. Okay. That's just the past two weeks. Only nine players in the NBA are averaging better than that on the season. Okay. PG 13, Luca, Jason Tatum, big cat, Harden, miles bridges, lamb ball, Bobby Portis and Kyle Kuzma which is kind of amazing. Another wizard, someone, well, I don't have any idea what his availability is. Uh, JRE is a rookie. He was a second rounder. He's 21 years old. He played at Villanova. Uh, He's a good defender, which is weird because he's 6'8 with a 6'10 wingspan, like I said, and he's playing uh, playing at the five. But he just seems to have a really high basketball IQ and like nowhere to go and he's communicating and he looks like he's not like the best athlete that ever lived, but his his like lateral movements pretty good if his up and down maybe leaves something to be desired. But they're starting him and giving him minutes over dudes like Poku and um the guy from the jazz whose name escapes me right now, the constant backup, but whatever they're, they're literally starting this motherfucker and Clarkson there. No, not Clarkson. Uh, the big guy. Whiteside? It doesn't matter. No, he's on Utah. The guy that used to be the backup 
in Utah forever and then went to New Orleans for one year and then went back to the Jazz for one year and now he's on the Thunder, I think. But it doesn't matter. Okay. Anyway, this is just a guy that's getting minutes and he's getting volume. And even though he only has three games as opposed to four this this week, they're against two of the worst fucking teams in the entire NBA on the defensive side of the court. I think that like it's totally possible he gets demolished, but <laughs> I don't think that the Thunder care. I actually kind of think that maybe they're winning too much and they're going to play this six eight center who is a rookie as much as they possibly can, only for legitimate basketball reasons, of course. And uh, I don't know. I was just super impressed when I was watching him. And again, ten and seven over the, over the past two weeks. If he's giving you, if that's what he's going to average for the rest of the season, ten points per game, seven rebounds per game, and multiple threes, then he's on a list of guys that's only nine names long right now. Sure, those guys give you more, but to approximate it at 80% when he's rostered in under 5% of leagues, that's free money. That's found yeah. money. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I I think that he's someone if you need to go really deep, but, I mean, at 3% owned, I like him too. He was, he was my next guy. Um, you definitely did a lot more research on him than I did, but uh, <laughs> so thanks for articulating all that. Um, <laughs> well, because totally for a second I was like, wait, why is he starting? Does he have like a seven-seven wingspan? No, look at his short, stubby arms. They look like my arms. I mean, they're six. Obviously, they're not short and stubby, but usually you would expect some dude to have like fucking pterodactyl wings out there if you're going to mm-hmm. be that short. Yeah. No, he uh, looks like the real deal. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think he's he's he's, you know, probably going to have an opportunity for at least a while. Like you said, even if he kind of stinks it up every now and then, I think I don't think the minutes are necessarily going anywhere else anytime soon. So I'm with you at least for the next few weeks. He's not a dude that I would suggest you stream weekly, really, or at least this week. Like, I'd rather he had four games. So this isn't mm-hmm. like a hard sell on my part. But if you're in a daily league and you can play him twice against Houston without breaking a sweat, I mean, that's so nice. That seems yeah. like that's fucking fantastic. Like, I don't know if he, how well he'll do up against Jaron Jackson Jr. and – uh Steven Adams, but you know, against Houston, I feel like he should be able, like maybe even a double double, you know, or near near enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Cool. All right, those. So that was your going to be your last guy too. Yeah, no, that was that's oh, look that was how simpatico we are on, look at on that. the ads. Um, I do. I did want to just you know touch on the stock market a little bit. Yes. Um, I think you might have a few things you want you, you, little research you did as well, but uh, just really quickly on stocks. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of steals and blocks. I love going after what I believe are underappreciated categories. Um, I think a lot of people like just completely ignore it. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So just, just a little quick, you know, quick 
tidbit on on that. Uh, the one plus one category, guys who are currently averaging at least one steal and one block. Um, so there's 11 players. You have kind of three groups. So you have the elite guys who are just all around great, you know, fantasy studs, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Giannis, and Anthony Davis, um, who you're owning regardless of their stock potential, right? Um, then you kind of have that the next group of guys who are like Clint Capella, Chris Stapps, Vucevic, and your guy, uh, Derek White, um, so, <laughs> who, you know, I don't, I don't know if White keeps this up per se, but uh, he is currently blocking a, a, his fair share of shots. He fucking better because he's only shooting like 38% from the floor. Like, yeah, no, keep up he, the effort. Jesus. He's, he's shifted his game to try to be the uh, next Kawhi Leonard, apparently. Um, but, you know, for, for his, you know, what, for what it's worth, though, he did also average a block last year and 0.9 blocks the previous season. Um, but then you have those, the specialists after that. And, uh, you know, there's four guys. So you have Robert Covington, uh, our friend of the podcast, guy we both love, Matisse, yes. uh, Nerlin, Nerlens Noel, and okay. the Andre Drummond. Um, <laughs> and I just thought it was interesting that, like, Covington and Matisse are kind of giving you almost the same production. I mean, Covington, um, hmm. you know, he's – slightly he's a little bit more offensive you know he's going to give you a, a little bit more three-point shooting and slightly less stocks than Matisse but overall they're kind of like in that same category um <laughs> it's easy to be more than zero by the way <laughs> <laughs> have you been watching Matisse lately he's he's, he's I mean for a little bit sure but like you gotta be at a certain point, you have to be able to score more than fucking five points a game, you know. I mean, when you're when you're scoring five points a game, but you're also you know producing three stocks and also you know a couple rebounds and a three totally. pointer. I, so I, I, I mean, right in now, real life, in fantasy, he's fucking fantastic because like no yeah, one but cares. It, which, yeah, but when you watch them, he is. I mean. It's amazing some of the things he does uh, as an on-ball defender, dude. That um, and him, the combination of him and Embiid together, yeah. like, is devastating. And Drum, um, well, Drum plays quote-unquote defense. Like he gets yeah. counting stats on the defensive side of the ball because of effort and because he knows where to be, but also because he grabs that shit. Like he gets. His counting stats. You better yeah, believe he had a tw- that. 23, 23 rebound game the other night. <laughs> but uh but uh but but for all intensive purposes, Covington and Matisse are very similar players at this point. And Covington's owned in fifty percent of leagues and Matisse is ten percent. So I just, you know, thought that was worth noting. Uh Nerlens, I think, is owned in like five percent of leagues, maybe. And yeah, then drum drum is more of a, a handcuff. But Drum is a, shown to be a very valuable handcuff because I think we all know like Embiid will miss some more time before the season ends, and when he does, right. Drum Drum kind of becomes like you said a top twenty player instantly. So like just Drum's little, just fantasy value per focus. minute is 
pretty high. But yeah. like if he's getting a lot of minutes, that's not great for Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But like Nerlens, I like I sort of don't really understand Nerlens except that it just always seems like he should be a guy that should be able to get you like nine and nine. You know, like, and it just seems like he constantly underwhelms no matter what, even when he gets to start. It's a little bit weird. I still like yeah, him. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's and like you said, scored, one and one, but. He hasn't scored nine points a game for a season since his second year in the league, ironically with Philly. Remember when Philly was drafting like all those bigs? Yeah. Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens. Yeah. Wait, Philadelphia had Robert Bob Covington on their team too, didn't they? Yep. With JJ. Uh, yeah, JJ. That is a team that has really gone through a bunch of fucking players. <laughs> yeah, Philadelphia. They, have. they yeah. have really had some roster turnover. Like, My God. like Markel Fultz is like looking at Ben Simmons Dude. and he's like, thanks, man. Nobody yeah. even remembers me anymore. Yeah. No one's even wondering when I'm going to come back. Like, no one gives a shit. And I got paid? This is fantastic. It It is amazing how many people... And the Lakers are like this, too. Like, they've turned over their roster, like, three times in four years. It It is kind of impressive. Um, but you sort of wonder, like, if you're Embiid and Toby, you're like, can we get some consistency? I mean, it's... I guess Danny Green's been there for a couple of years now. Ben doesn't count. Toby um, is just kind of seems like he's just along for the ride. He's so lucky. Like <laughs> yeah, his best attribute is, is timing. Because when yeah. his contract was up, it was like, cool. Well, you have to pay me. I'm basically <laughs> yeah. a max player, but only because of the timing. Only because mm-hmm. of this fucking year. Fuck you. And that's great. Yeah. I love Toby. Get your money. Also, it hasn't really hurt them that much. Like, who else would they have spent that money on? Yeah, I guess they, they, I mean, they could have kept Jimmy Butler, but, you know. He didn't want to be there, right? Yeah, that's what they said. I mean, I think he looked at Ben and was like, man, this fucking motherfucker can't. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> or maybe he yeah, looked at him beat and said, this is your team, and I want my own. Well, he likes, well, he, but I. they've said that he's, supposedly like recruiting Embiid to or he was recruiting Embiid I don't know if he is now but they said at one point he was recruiting Embiid to Miami dude that's like a Russian psyops thing with Bam like that's just to get into Bam's ear and be like I can if you're not 110% I drop you immediately this may have been like before Bam became Bam. This might have been like a year ago when Bam. I don't was know. Still... It still seems like it's like Omerta down there, and like every time Bam misses a free throw, he looks in Jimmy's direction, and Jimmy's just like shaking his head, like I'm going to kill your family. Like it is, I, they're great together, and the Heat are legit more so than I thought they were. Um, Tyler Hero's been really good this year, and I mean he. You you can't keep Duncan Robinson in there if he's not going to shoot threes. So it's like cool. Now we have Tyler Hero in the starting five instead. Maybe I yeah. mean Duncan's come around over the past two weeks. Um, Tyler Hero scoring twenty two points a game on yeah. on forty percent from three, forty five percent from the field, eighty seven I mean, from the stripe. Almost absolute six sixth man of the year front runner yeah. right now. 
22, um, six and four. It's pretty good. And that like Miami is quietly like one of the worst three point, not, sh- not three point shooting teams, but it's like Jimmy Butler can't shoot threes. Bam doesn't attempt them. Um, they're, they need outside shooting. And so the fact that hero has turned back into bubble hero is enormous for them. It's so good. And he's just, he's a slinky dude, man. Like he just gets through tight shit and he's suddenly at the rim. He's pretty good. I kind of hate it. You, did you, did you hear when he said he should be, you know, discussing the same breath with uh, Trey Young and, and Luca? Yeah. I mean, what do you want him to say? Like, I'm not as good as those guys. No, I just, that's just, I just thought about that. No, I, I have no problem with him. I, I like him. I like Hero. I think he's a pretty good player. I feel like anyone that gets the imprimatur of Jimmy Butler, like you have to pay attention to. And Buckets has, you know, approved of this young kid. And Pat Riley and Coach Spo, obviously. Uh, so the Miami Heat, they they are interesting. Like in a seven game series right now, would they beat Brooklyn? Um I don't think so, but it'd be close. Okay. I yeah, I wonder. Like I I don't think anyone can beat Giannis in seven games right now, but I'm not sure about KD. But that's probably stupid. Any parting thoughts, Brandon? Anything you want to mention? Yeah, I'd just like to say that I wish, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm in the minority here, but just wish there was one NBA basketball game on Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm totally fine with a full day of NFL, but it'd just be cool if there was like one game like the Thanksgiving night game, you know, or something like that. Um, If the NBA had any fucking balls at all, it would be a 9 a.m. Pistons (laughs) game every year. It's an early morning basketball game with the Pistons. Goes right into the the fucking Lions. Yeah, noon game. (laughs) And then who cares what else happens? But it should be like, no, you Detroit Michigan fans get this. For no good reason, yeah. really. <laughs> Jalen Rose said, "Uh, it's there. It's the Detroit Super Bowl." He's like, "No, you guys yeah. are watching a game. We're at the Super Bowl." <laughs> I mean, where we are is where, well, where most of us are is just with the family watching the Lions lose again. So, in some sense, it's just every other game you've ever watched. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, I did read why it always they always get to play on thanksgiving and it's because the owner of the lions at the time in the long long ago was the guy that suggested it and held with the, the idea first, yeah so yeah. it's like hey you had one bright idea then you never <laughs> won again <laughs> and now they're even talking i saw a headline like matt stafford has thrown like six pick sixes in the last three games or something like that. It was like, you can take the Stafford out of the Lions, but you can't can't take the Lions out of the Stafford. And you're like, motherfucker, (laughs) he's on another team and you're talking shit about us. 
What is that about? How dare you? Anyway, I agree with you, but the NBA keeps inching away from the NFL, like every chance they get. They've even lessened the Thursday night games, which is fucking Mm -hmm. bizarre. Like you, yeah. The scheduling is really, really kind of annoying this year. How it's just like, I don't love. I, I, I like. It was. I thought it was a little more random before, and so you got a better mix of games. Like now, it's like on nights and then like off nights. You know. Yeah. And you have shit like playing Houston twice in a row, and the Jazz yeah. and the Pelicans twice in a row. I mean, I know some of it is to cut down on COVID, but it is pussy to just give up thursdays and it's i thanksgiving is something else but it's like thursday night is a showcase for the nba and a lot of people don't want to watch the thursday night football game because it's usually garbage so go back whatever you you shouldn't give away evenings to the nfl because they're going to take as much as they possibly can i agree and then what's the point of having like 10 fucking games on Saturday? Exactly. When, yeah. You can't watch any of them. Yeah. Yeah. It just hurts your product. It's like, yeah. It's and like they don't have flexes. Like, why don't they have flexes in the schedule? You should be able to be like, yo, we don't need to watch the fucking Pistons play the Rockets. No one needs to watch that. Not even their fans. It's fine. <laughs> Not <laughs> like, even it's, their children. Yeah. Like, the, the families of the players don't want it to be the national game of the week on ESPN. Just flex that shit out of here. What's the big fucking deal? Whatever. I'm not a scientist. Um. Okay. That is it for the long two. Oh, happy Hanukkah, everybody. Um. And enjoy Indeed. this week of basketball. This is a good time, just as an aside, this is a good time to make some savvy ads or trades because everybody's hungover and full from the holiday (laughs) they're also paying attention to football much more so than they are to basketball so if you can get someone good point undervalued that you know is probably going to bounce up you should try to do it before christmas like christmas is the big day for the nba so if you can get some moves in before then that's probably the right thing to do be aggressive (laughs) but be smart yeah we will see you Oh, I'm targeting. Ahead. I'm targeting Giddy, and I'm targeting marketing and trades. Both those guys. I mean, Giddy has no ceiling to me. That's how good he looks. Like if he develops any kind of outside shot at all, he'll he'll be devastating. Um, and marketing is a 24 year old who can shoot 40 percent from three, and he's six yeah. fucking ten. Yeah, I think they're both undervalued right now. Like three years ago, both he and Bobby Portis were on the Chicago Bulls together, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. With 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 uh, the other guy that fought Bobby Portis. Yeah, who was that? That that, that went to New Orleans after that. The European Shit. guy, the big man. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. He's in Europe now. He's out of the league. <laughs> Bobby was like, leave. The country. (laughs) Yeah. And Zach was there for all of it. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. And uh, be safe out there. Please mask up and get those booster shots. We will see you next week. See ya.